Hey everybody, this is Doug Kenny. We welcome you back to Relentless and Unstoppable with myself and my coach and mentor, actor Andy McBee. And today we have our friend, Mark Gant, with us. Hey Mark, how you doing? I'm doing great. I'm so honored to be here to, to be a part of what you guys are doing. Yeah, it's an honor to have you, Mark, and uh, it's an honor to be working with Doug for over six and a half years and see his transformation being relentless and unstoppable and saying that he's possible, not impossible, and that's what this is all about. And just a quick thing for people watching, Mark and myself met, I try to keep it as young as I possibly could 12 years ago, but he said, no, it's way longer than that, Andy. You weren't that grey when we met you. You had more hair. It was probably 15 years ago. So uh, we met at the Beverly Hills Playhouse under the awesome uh, uh, mentoring of Milton Casales, who I really loved. Like, that guy was just so cool. And Mark and me, uh, yeah, we just met there. We actually also met, uh, I forgot to tell you, Mark, Jerry Trimble's been on our program heaps of times. Oh, wow. I yeah, love he's him. He's coaching um, Doug in fighting and mentoring. He's been on our anti-bullying. So through the Beverly Hills Playhouse. Yeah, it's flipping awesome, mate. Like, oh, that's great. Cool. Oh, that's um, great. I love Jerry. Uh, he's an awesome dude, man, like yourself. So, look, we want to learn a little bit about you and your journey. So I'll hand it over to Doug and um, we'll get this amazing story underway, mate. Thank you. So, yeah, Mark, uh, I've heard some pretty good things about you. Uh, what have you been accomplishing lately? Well, you know, lately I've been focusing primarily on writing, directing, and producing, and as well as coaching, consulting other actors, writers, and directors to, to help them along with their career. Um, you know, I would say the last couple of years, uh, I would say the last two to three years, I've been really fortunate to be able to uh, direct feature films um, that have uh, premiered on Lifetime. I've uh, directed branded commercials for GMC, for Freeform, for Cole, for Fox. Uh, I've been writing screenplays for uh, The Cartel, which is a company, that, a production company that does films for uh, Lifetime and Hallmark, and, as well as developing my own projects that I'm a writer and um, and a showrunner uh, potentially for and uh, and yeah you know I'm uh, uh, I'm a guy that like you know I started out you know doing all kinds of stuff on set and then you know moved into acting and then started writing and directing and and now my focus right now is uh, is is primarily writing and directing and um, I'm up for a well I'm not up for I just just uh, signed a deal to direct this uh, really cool horror film that I'm going to be starting in a couple weeks start prepping and um you know i've got a couple audible projects that i was a writer and producer on that are coming out docuseries about some true crime stuff so yeah that's what i've been up to recently that's really cool didn't you create a musical video too yeah i've been doing some musical videos as well and um you know i've done uh some recently one of the ones that you know andy uh, was a big part of. Uh, we're doing the Kiefer Sutherland series of uh, uh, videos for his new album that's coming out. So that was really cool. And uh, I just finished one for uh, Maisie Starr, who's a, a big UK pop singer. So uh, that's going to be on um, uh, the Kelly Clarkson show uh, next month. So oh, that's awesome, man. Yeah. Mm. And, uh, you know, like with, in the middle of my coaching sessions at the moment, I've got a couple of international Zoom intensives going. And that's the first thing I tell people like uh, actors that don't, don't just concentrate on being an actor, 
concentrate on the whole the whole world of creative arts and including your own life as well right when you balance all of that you'll be amazed what really happens and yes of course you want to be an actor if that's what you're training for but no and i'm going to say but and train yourself in other areas um because you never know you exactly what you said directing writing i'm sure that when you went to the beverly hills playhouse many years ago you just want to be an actor yeah i mean i i came there as an actor and there was there's always a part of me that you know felt like maybe there was other things for me but as i was there i started to i started to you know assist milton katsalis and so i started seeing oh wow this is what a director does and this is what a writer does and as mm. a producer how to create stuff and you know and so that was that was sort of my first foray into that and i was like oh wow all these different things and you know just what you were saying you know as an actor sometimes you know, I think that we can fall into a trap of trying to book a job. You know, we study and then we try to book a job. And in between there is just like the struggle, you yeah. know, like, how do I get there? And in that, and to me, that in between the study and the booking and the job is life and it's experience and it's depth and it's all the, all the, the range of emotions and the, the, all the things that we can bring to our artistic, you know, um, job. And so, you know, I, and I always think that, you know, and, and I, I struggled with it because I was like, just like hustle, 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 book a job and forgetting that I was supposed to have fun and, and enjoy my life and enjoy the journey and enjoy the, you know, the so-called failures, you know, and see them as lessons and not, you know, losses. But, uh, and, and so I really, and I also think that a lot of people, you know, um, forget that there's all these opportunities to learn about the craft of acting by being on set by being by doing a play by you know creating your own projects to to understand like oh that's what it's like when i'm walking up and looking at this and, oh that's what that looks like when the camera's here oh wait the camera back and shooting something to realize oh wait i messed it all up i need to put the camera here and there's this and you know and and to, to take those risks and have fun yeah uh, that's so so true and, and i'm going to say something about that but i'll point back to doug um doug when we met seven years ago, I was coaching his brother for acting. That ended. His brother wasn't interested anymore. And Doug asked his mum, because Doug has been dealing with high-functioning autism since he was born and went through a lot of struggles and bullying and overweight, et cetera, et cetera. Doug, very quickly now, we're about to commence writing his book on his journey of diet, fitness, wow. going from 300-plus pounds to now down to about 200-pound um, fitness, riding, hiking, all that. So Doug never thought we would coach. It was going to end up like this him being him being the co-host the, the creator of all those little logos you see behind us websites we've got five platforms running a lot of them all just fun this one's fun but it's also serious and about inspiring people and helping people so doug and myself never ever thought um we would be doing this together and he's created through a suggestion that you know came up with to start his own business because he doesn't want to work in the workforce he finds it a little difficult and now he's got four customers doing logos and websites a lady i work with on criminal minds a wonderful actress she's there he's now helping her build her coaching so we never know where we're going to end up but you've got to keep going through the doors you yeah know? that's awesome doug congrats i appreciate it and a lot of the doors that have opened up for me came a lot of which because a year ago i made my decision to quit my longtime addiction to soda and sugar and all mm. this would not have happened without that happening and so now i'm going to ask you uh 
you dealt yeah. with a severe addiction to alcohol, which really is tough. Uh, what was that like? Yeah, you know, um, I, uh, I started, uh, you know, I got to say that, you know, like the addiction uh, to alcohol started when I was around 15. And, you know, if I, my parents are not alcoholics. Uh, they don't drink. I mean, they barely drink. Uh, but my grandparents on both sides are alcoholics, were alcoholics. I had uncles and aunts that were alcoholics. And so throughout my, my childhood, I, I was around alcoholism and I was around sober alcoholics, people that were getting sober. My grandparents on my mom's side got sober. And, um, but I would, I, I can actually trace back sort of addiction to, you know, when I had my first paper out when I was 10 years old. You know, I would I would collect the money every month to you know pay my bill, the, the the bill that I would have to pay for the newspapers, and then whatever was left over was like my profit. You know, let's say it was like twenty four dollars a month, and I would then spend the twenty four dollars way before or the money that I was due on the bill before it was due, and I was basically like a credit card. I would just basically collect more money in advance for a couple of months from other people so that I could then pay this thing. I'd have to borrow money from my parents. And so there was an addiction to, you know, like a escape, you know, I wanted the money so that I could eat. I wanted the money so I could get candy so I could play video games. So I could, you know, uh, uh, you know, do things with my friends that were cool, things that people wanted to do, you know, I would steal things because I, you know, wanted to be cool and in the fill and it fit in the in the crowd. And sell gum at like eight years old and stuff at school. So like, that was like my, like, I can go back to addiction to, you know, a very early age. And part of it was, you know, it's just this not feeling enough. Like I just never felt enough. I never felt like I fit in. Um, you know, I had very loving parents, but you know, it just, it's sometimes, you know, it's, it's not about, it's just sort of in your DNA. It's not necessarily about, you know, sort of your, your upbringing. And, um, and so for me, you know, when, when 15 came around, I was working at a, at, a, at a yogurt place and this older kid from my high school came in and he's like, hey, you know, blah, blah, blah. He was trying to get some free yogurt. He had some beers. Next thing I know, I'm like drinking my first beer in the back room thinking, holy cow, I've like, I've arrived. Like, I'm cool. This older guy wants to hang out with me. This older kid, like he was, I think he was probably a junior and and it just progressed it was just something like i felt when i drank i felt you know good enough that i was cool that i was funny that i was you know sexy handsome all those things i did not feel you know without alcohol without drugs without food without you know sort of you know always trying to date somebody trying to you know trying to get some attention love affection you know all of it you know and um and so from, you know, from 15 and 19, I'll make this story quick. I just, you know, I drank, you know, in the beginning, it was just on the weekends, you know, like partying with friends, but, you know, I didn't drink like everybody else. Like people have a couple beers, they get drunk and they decide, oh, I got to stop and go home. I was like, what? No, just keep going until you throw up or until you get blackout or until you wreck a car. Like that was just, you know, I just could never get enough. And, uh, and then I started you know, when I was 18, 19 years old, I started doing drugs because it was like I wanted to do cocaine because I could drink more. That was really why I did drugs. Like I just wanted to be able to drink more and, you know, keep that going. And oh. and, you know, seven cars, you know, I wrecked seven cars during that time from 16 to 19. 
And I was at work and I was doing construction at the time I graduated from high school. And I was, you know, I was drunk, I was high and I was, and I dropped a saw from a second floor um, roof and, you know, just missed somebody by five, six feet. And that was like a really wake up call for me. Like, oh, wow. Like, I don't, I don't have, you know, control over this because I wasn't planning on drinking that day. And I tried to stop all the time. Okay, today, I'm not going to drink today. I'm just not going to do it. And, uh, and so my boss at the time said, you know, you really need to get help. And, you know, there was a there was that sort of moment of like, the, the walls are sort of, you know, closing in on me. And I didn't really think I had a problem as much as I didn't have any other solution. And so I said, yes, I need help. And saying yes, I need help you know, sort of was, a, was just cracked door for me to get through to say, you know, can I be willing to look at this? And, uh, and I went to a rehab for 30 days and on the 29th day, you know, I was going to have a, go to a movie with a friend of mine and I went to his house to go pick him up and there was a beer in his, on his dresser. And I thought, I'll just have one drink, just one drink. Like, you know, I'm a little parched. And, uh, so I had a little, I had a little drink and, um, still a little parched, maybe just like another, just a little sip. And, uh, and I quickly finished that beer and, you know, he said, let's just, you know, I'll meet you on the car. So I got out in the car and he walked out and he had two beers in each hand for us. He handed me two. And then we went and got some beer and then we went to this party instead of going to a movie. And, uh, it was eight o'clock in the morning when I was selling my watch for a line of cocaine. And I was like, wow, I can't just have one beer. I can't just have one sip. Like, it's just, I'm incapable of knowing what's going to happen if I have that first drink. And, uh, and so I went to the, the rehab the next morning and I confessed to drinking and, and, uh, you know, and that was September 11th, uh, 1988. And, uh, I haven't had a drink or a drug since. And, um, it's just, so I just celebrated 33 years of sobriety and, uh, and I've also, you know, have, uh, 10 years of solvency from debt and under earning and that was something that hit me much later in my sobriety where i was like wow i have a you know this sort of um unhealthy relationship with money and earning and feeling like you know you know i i don't deserve it or as soon as i get it i don't know how to manage it and uh and so that's been a huge thing is this it's an addiction to the mind it's sort of a, this this disease to you know that i'm not enough like i'll never have enough so that's uh that's 33 years slammed into you know a few minutes but that's sort of like the the journey there